This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Sean O'Keefe to the show. Sean, welcome. So glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm really excited. We're going to dive into a juicy conversation about how to create social capital and land a coveted job fresh from college. But you know, Sean, you have a really interesting career trajectory yourself, and you took a very significant pay cut to become a professor. So start from from that point and help us understand what brought you to the career that you're in today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it goes back to when, when I was a college student. Um, I, I, I wasn't the best student. I um, started at community college, transferred to a four-year public university, and my life was changed uh, my junior year. I had a professor um, tell the class, um, raise your hand if you're interested in getting an internship this summer in a competitive industry. Of course, everyone in the, in, in the class raised their hand. He said, well, good news. I have five internships to hand out. The only fair way, though, I know how to hand out these internships is the students with the best grades. Well, my head went down, my shoulders shrunk because I was not one of the students with the best grades. But then he went on to say, if you consider yourself a hard worker, come to my office hours and I'll, and I'll give you some tips on how to land um, a really competitive internship or full-time job if you're a senior um, after graduation, um, if, if you come see me. So I thought to myself, okay, I consider myself a hard worker. And um, through several conversations, he taught me how to access the 80% of jobs and internships that are in the hidden job market that are never advertised online. And um, by being proactive in reaching out to professionals and playing what I call the student card, um, you know, you could also play the recent grad card or the young professional card, et cetera. Um, I landed three, three different internships, two of which were in the hidden job market. And then as a result of those three internships, a full-time job. So Um, As I went through my 20s working in this one particular industry, I just had this feeling in my heart and in my gut that as I met more and more people, I had this pretty unique experience with this one professor in this office hours that, you know, more more students across the country should get this kind of coaching. And so I went back to school to get my MBA at the age of 25 to 28. And um, during that time of of getting my MBA, I had a conversation with the dean of the business school. And he said... um, how'd you get your job? Who hooked you up? <laughs> I said, no, no, there is no hookup. Uh, I worked really hard to proactively meet people I'd never met before. I didn't have any connections through family or friends. And that's how I got internships. That's how I got my full-time job. And um, later, later, later in a conversation, he said, how would you like to teach as an adjunct? <laughs> and I said, that sounds amazing. So I started teaching at the age of 29, which was 11 years ago, uh, 12 years ago now. Um, and uh, three, three, three days three class sessions into teaching my first class as an adjunct. I had a full-time job still, but I was driving down at night to teach, teach a class as an adjunct. I had this feeling come over my body during the third class. This is what you're meant to do with your life. And at the time I thought, yeah, I know what non-tenure track faculty make. And I live in the San Francisco Bay area. Cost of living is pretty high here. I don't think I'm going to be able to make this career transition until, uh, until much later in life. But, you know, sometimes you just have to listen to your gut. And um, a few years later, the person I reported to um, left the university and they, they recommended that I apply. And um, I just felt this urge to, to pursue what I'm, I felt like I was called to do and I had a gift for. 
And yeah, so I took a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut to become a to become a non non tenure track faculty. Obviously, I had to have multiple conversations with my wife and have a lot of thought about that. But um, it was scary at the time, but it's it's been it's been an amazing journey ever since. Well, we are the beneficiaries for sure. Sean, let's talk though, because you've you've created the Career Launch Social Enterprise. So tell me more. Yeah, so I started teaching this. I started teaching in 2010, and every class that I've taught ever ever since, um, I have this assignment where students have to do two career conversations, um, formerly known as informational interviews. Um, one of the findings that went into the book um, is that changing the term informational interview to career conversation has two, two massive benefits. Number one, students feel less anxiety um, about going about um, this task of, of setting up um, what used to be called an informational interview and changing it to career conversation. Just the word interview produces anxiety for a lot of students, even though the word informational is, is before it. Um, the second major reason is that um, we, we did some uh, testing and looked at the data and had students change the term in their email outreach um, when they reach out to professionals, either via email or via LinkedIn or phone calls, et cetera, and just changing the terminology and the, the yes rate of students getting a yes from a professional that they've never met to take in 20 minutes to have a career conversation was higher than using the term informational interview. So since, uh, since 2010, every class students have to do these, this assignment where they do two career conversations. And um, the results have just been amazing to see not only are they creating relationships and, and increasing social capital, but a lot of times it turns into internships and jobs in the hidden job market. And it's been really fulfilling, especially knowing that it works for, and you know, it doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic background, um, where you live in the world. You know, it, it's um, it's it's really agnostic this this methodology, and it's been really fun. You know, no matter if you're an adult learner or you're a traditional age uh, learner, um, and and so uh, that's what the book's all about: is teaching the eight steps of the career launch method. And you know, Sean, what I love about it, you just mentioned whether you're an adult learner or maybe a traditionally aged college student, for example. You're right; these are skills and uh, practices that one can use throughout their career life. And I often, uh, you know, we jokingly talk about this as as career coaches in my role: wash, rinse, repeat. You know, sometimes we do these things over and over again throughout our career lives, but these tools and these resources are evergreen. Right. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I finished answering your question directly. So the, the methodology not only was taught in the classroom, then it became a book. But then my university said, um, you need to bring this to the world. And um, because I teach at Santa Clara University, which is in the heart of Silicon Valley, we have this entrepreneurship program that I applied to and got accepted into. And they, and they said, hey, we're going to give you funding and we're going to give you resources to, to scale this so that if students can't get into your class or another class that teaches this, um, you can provide this co-curricularly as an after-school program to both high school students and college students um, and through nonprofit organizations. So um, at this point, we have relationships with um, different organizations, colleges and, and, and others um, throughout the country, Northeast, Southwest. And it's been uh, a lot of fun to see um, students and, and some non-students uh, take advantage of the curriculum. 
Awesome. Well, congratulations. So I love that the book uh, dispels some of the misconceptions and some of the myths for talent as they they pursue uh, the career world. Why don't you debunk one or, or two of those misconceptions for us? Yeah, sure. Um, one of the one of them is that you know GPA is everything. So there are there are, there are some career paths where GPA is everything, but it's actually a minority of all jobs. Um, there, a majority of, of jobs, um, your GPA is not significant, and in some cases, it doesn't matter at all. Um, and so some, but some students don't know that, um, and they hyper focus on 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 GPA and they put blinders on, and and sometimes it's just school only and GPA focused only and, or maybe a part-time job or maybe an an internship. But um, what we want students to do is take a holistic approach to, to know that GPA is important. Um, But, and depending on your career path, um, you should also be spending your time on time in other areas. Um, Another one of the myths that we want to debunk um, and that we spend time on in the book is that um, a lot of students feel like they're not worthy um, of reaching out to professionals. they have a lot of insecurities, like who am I to be reaching out to someone? And so we talk about this concept, um, you know, and this is particularly for student population, but it can be applied in different ways to non-students. But um, the, 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 this particular book is written to the student audience. And so we talk about playing the student card and the fact that society likes to help students more than they like to help non-students. And so there's a quote by a motivational speaker, Eric Thomas. He says, you have to take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity. So some students think being a student is a detriment. I don't have any experience. We say baloney. Being a student is a powerful asset. Um, you need to take advantage and, and reach out to professionals because they, they enjoy helping um, the student population. So that, that, then we t- take students through the eight steps uh, and a bunch of micro steps so that they can overcome their overcome their psychological concerns about, about stepping out of their comfort zone to, to, to do this you know, proactive outreach. Sean, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I love how you've contextualized this and said, take advantage of your student status. I also want to level the playing field because we're seeing so many experienced adults go back for additional credentials or micro credentials to empower them or skill them up uh, in, in career fields. So I think that student status can be something that we can invoke in various points of our, our educational journey, not just right out of college as a 20-something. So I I appreciate that sentiment from you. But you talked about the hidden job market. You and I know what that is, but I want to make sure our global audience understands that. So would you share more about that? Sure. Um, This has been documented um, over 30 years, most recently by Stanford um, social scientists. Um, And that is that of all the jobs and internships available, 
80% are never advertised on LinkedIn or careerbuilder.com or Craigslist or whatever popular online job board. Um, only 20% of all jobs jobs are on are advertised. 80% is because you know someone knows someone, someone gets in, introduced to someone. Um, and most job seekers don't realize that. So what we tell folks is that if all you're doing is applying online, you're selling yourself short. Um, you need to take a more holistic approach. Um, so in the methodology, the very first step for any job seeker is don't just look at what's available online. Make a top 10 list of organizations and companies that are interested that you're interested in working at. Be, be, be intentional. There's a lot of power in the law of intentionality. I, in the book, I call it job search gravity. So make a top 10 list. And even if you don't see a, a job posting on their website or on one of these you know, advertising job, uh, job boards, that doesn't mean there aren't jobs available. It just means you need to uncover them by reaching out and building relationships with people at those organizations. You write beautifully about positive habits and mindsets for career success. Would you dive a little deeper into that to help our audience understand what that means? Yeah. So, so job searching, um, it's a numbers game, right? We're, we're, we're looking, most of the time we're just looking for one position. Um, and know that if if, know that going in, there's going to be a, probably a good amount of rejection, meaning you're not going to, you know, you're going to apply to multiple jobs. And, and, and as far as the career launch method goes, you may reach out to several different professionals um, at the industries that you're in the companies that you're interested in working at, but that doesn't mean everyone's going to take a meeting with you. And it certainly doesn't mean that every job you apply for online, you're going to, you're going to get an initial interview for. So, um, just understanding the law of averages going into a job search and knowing it only takes one. Yes. It'll, it allows space for, 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 for people to not get frustrated and, and down and disappointed um, with either, you know, what Gen Z calls getting ghosted, you know, getting no response to an application or sometimes getting a no, we've gone in a different direction. You know, it's really interesting at this moment in time, we're experiencing a talent war. There are a lot of new opportunities. We're experiencing the great resignation. Some of these are a result of the pandemic journey that we're still navigating. And many of our young professionals are trying to find what they're really interested in, uh, what their sense of purpose, meaning, or fulfillment might be in the career world. You have a a fascinating concept and a a wonderful Japanese phrase that I will look to you to pronounce correctly. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the term is ikigai, and it means a reason for being. And if you look this up online, you'll find an image that has... uh, um, Venn, Venn diagrams overlapping in, into multiple um, uh, uh, different um, spaces. And it really looks at what am I passionate about? What am I, what am, what is, what is my mission? Um, what do I feel like is going to be my vocation? What, what professions are most in, um, in alignment with, with me and my values and my skill set? And then ask the question, you know, what do I love to do? What does the world need? What am I good at and what can I be paid for? And, and looking at the cross-sectionality of all of that. Um, and if you, if you can, if you can, you know, me, me, probably few people find a, a job 
a career right in the center of all those things. Um, but it's like, how many of those can, you know, um, can, can we, can we, can we be thoughtful about what positions um, can hit on most of those things? Um, because at the end of the day, we're committing so many hours of our life to our career, to our jobs. Um, we want to have enjoyment. We want to have fulfillment. And so it's not just about taking necessarily taking the highest paying job. It's, it's about really looking about the, things holistically. And that's what the, the concept of Ikigai does. Well, and it aligns so well with the career development methodology that values are the greatest prediction of career satisfaction. So that, that aligns incredibly well. So Sean, I, I want to pivot for a little bit because you write about personal brand and there's no doubt that personal brand is our narrative and what people are saying about us when we're not there to say it in person. So how does one go about uh, creating our personal brand when we're job searching? Yeah. And so like, so we talk about personal brand being your, you know, kind of online and then also in real time in our, in our live interactions. And, and during it in a, in a job search prior to getting an interview, your personal brand is, is, is your online presence. It's your, and it's, and it's the documents that you submit um, during an interview process. And so being thoughtful about um, how, how one is presenting themselves is, is really important. And, um, Knowing your audience, you know, and knowing what, what they're looking for, because at the end of the day, job seekers need to remember that there are um, limited positions most of the time, and a lot of job seekers. Like, there's um, not a lot of supply of the, the 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 high the high interest, high demand jobs, but there's a lot of supply. There's a lot of uh, job seekers job seekers looking for those positions, and so it's the organization, it's the company's job to figure out which candidate is going to produce the greatest return on the investment. They're going to provide a salary and benefits and, and et cetera to the, to, to, the, to the candidate that they hire. And so they got to discern out of all the candidates out there, who's going to be, who's going to do the best job in the role. And so um, as recruiters and HR people are screening candidates, it's really important to keep in mind this, this company that I'm applying to, this industry that I'm trying to get into, this job function I'm trying to land, um, what, you know, what are the characteristics that companies are looking for to know that that person is going to be successful in this role? So if you can answer that question and then reverse engineer, which, you know, what, you know, some things that you should be mindful of, of how to represent yourself, of course they should be true. You, you can't, you, you're not going to fake something that you're not. Um, but that's where the personal brand is knowing your audience, knowing, your, 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 your skills and your values and, and where do those overlap and showcasing that in the right way. Sean, I love that the book is very tactical and it has templates and strategies and action steps to really help navigate this career journey. But I was particularly intrigued by your step-by-step -step strategies on how to effectively warm network and cold network. So first describe the difference between the two and then perhaps give us a, just a glimpse. I don't want to spoiler alert everything, but just give us an inkling of, of what that might look like. Sure. So, so warm networking is, is, is people that you know, or people you've met at some point or people that you, you know, that they know someone <laughs> that could, you could possibly be introduced to. So yeah, we talk about three categories of people in your warm network. People that you, you know, family and friends that you're comfortable reaching out to because you have an existing relationship and the comfortability to reaching out. Then there's people in the second category, 
people you've know or people you've met or people you've you know been in touch with in the past, whether it was an old coworker, an old coach, an old teammate, um, but you haven't stayed in touch, you know, in the last couple of years, last ten years, whatever it may be, and and you know that rekindling that relationship could could provide dividends, or that person could introduce you to someone that could be helpful in your in your job search. And um, that's the second group of people in your warm network, people that you know, but you, you're not still in touch with, or you're unsure about how to rekindle that relationship. Then the, and then the third group of people would be um, people that you know that they know. On LinkedIn, that would be called second connections. Um, but that the second, second connections happen in real life too, right? I have an aunt, and every time at the holidays, she always talks about her best friend. So I feel like I know her best friend just because my aunt always talks about her, but I've never actually met this woman. Um, but I know that if I ever wanted to meet this woman, my aunt would make an introduction. So that that's the kind of the third group of people um, in your warm network. Then there's cold networking or, or probably better called strategic networking, intentional networking. Um, that's everyone that you have no connection to whatsoever. But that doesn't mean you can't create a relationship out of thin air. In fact, um, that's what, probably what we're most proud of over the last 11 years. Um, and that uh, the reason that this book came about is because um, you can, you know, identify someone that you'd like to meet and set up a 20 minute career conversation and, and use that as a starting place to, to build a relationship. So uh, yeah, quick overview of the eight steps of the career launch method. Step one is discernment. Make a top 10 list of the companies that you'd like to, or companies or organizations that you'd like to work for. Step two is strategic research. Identify the people that at those companies. So like just pick five of your top 10 and then five, find five people at each of those five organizations. Um, and it's, you know, think, think about who could strategically be, be beneficial to you. It's probably not HR and it's probably not the recruiter. It's probably the head of the department of the job that you're trying to get. Step three is personal brand, LinkedIn profile stuff. But also if, if, if you're not a professional and you're a student or if you're a professional and you don't have an email signature on your, on your, on your email address, um, you should create an email signature and there should be a LinkedIn URL on that email signature. Because if you're going to reach out to someone you've never, know, you, you've never met and ask that person for a 20-minute video chat or coffee, um, the first thing they want to do is validate that you are who you say you are. So having a LinkedIn URL and your email signature is the best way to do that. And we know this from the qualitative research um, that we've done from professionals that have met with um, our students and job seekers. And then step four is, is exactly how to do the outreach. And we provide templates on, on what to say and when to say it and what mode of communication do you use? Do you use email or LinkedIn or a phone call? Do you, you know, how do you mix it up? Do you, do you reach out once and give up? Of course not. But what is the right timing of when to reach back out and at what point you give up so you're not annoying or, or, um, or, or, or seen as aggressive? All that nuance. Um, and then step five is preparation. You know, what do you say? What do you wear? When do you arrive? How do you make small talk? What questions do you prioritize during the 20-minute career conversation? Step six is advanced preparation. It's very important to end the career conversation on a high note and have a mutually agreed upon next step. So um, there's different questions that you should ask depending on what your goal of the conversation is. Step seven is effective, effective follow-up. Of course, someone should send a thank you email within 24 hours, but there's three more things that you should do over the next one to three months to truly cultivate a relationship so it's not just a one-time transaction. And then the last step, step eight, is how to ace the interview, all the best practices around um, interviewing skills. 
Sean, I'm so delighted that you would spend time with me today. I learned a lot. I love the book. Let me tell the global listeners what it's called and how they can buy it. It's called Launch Your Career, How Any Student Can Create Relationships with Professionals and Land the Jobs and Internships They Want. And it was created in partnership with the Career Leadership Collective. And the book is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But I also want to mention uh, your careerlaunch.academy. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so this is a, a social enterprise that partners with colleges and uh, nonprofit organizations to serve students, um, two-year schools, four-year schools, public schools, private schools. And um, we have multiple, multiple modes of delivery. So a book is one thing. We also have a workbook. We have a 28-day micro-learning program, 10 minutes a day for 28 days, where students get videos teaching the method. Not everyone wants to read a 240-page book. So we find it's important to offer different modalities. Then there's a 40-question assessment looking at the five main competencies um, needed to effectively tap into the hidden, hidden job market. And then the last modality is uh, group coaching that we provide and certifications to professionals wanting to be career launch certified. Well, Sean, I wish you continued success and I hope our professional paths continue to cross. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed being on the show. Thank you for having me. Be well. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And if you would like to hear something specific on the show with a career-minded theme, let me know and we'll consider it for a future episode. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.